It's every person has to reach their own conclusions about Christ's nativity. I certainly think it's a significant thing in our Bible. Uh, and so I don't want to diminish from that in your thinking. But I certainly am not going to honor um, the, the Catholic Church by promoting what they deemed as Christmas. You know, uh, if you know anything about the Mass, it's not honoring to God. Um, and so I, I, I have just, in my own convictions, I'm not going to go that way. But at the same time, uh, I do believe that Christ's Nativity is a very vital part of uh, our understanding and. And I spent some time this morning with young people uh, trying to help them to understand God made them uh, without maturity. God made them so that they are very dependent upon uh, their parents, very dependent upon those that are over them, and didn't equip them with everything they needed. So they have to have the humility of mind and heart to be able to receive what God has for them. And uh, with that said, it's, uh, it's important to realize that uh, Christ's nativity is filled with, uh, uh, we think of the baby in the manger, we think of the humble beginning being having no place uh, in the end, and the baby born the way it was. And uh, but So there's a lot to be gained from that. And I hope to maybe be able to impart some of that uh, help that uh, we may get from that. You take your Bibles and turn to Luke uh, chapter number 2. Uh, we have, of course, been uh, talking and, and uh, preaching and teaching and trying to... Uh, and, and I'm very impressed uh, lately with uh, some consistency that I'm seeing on our young people's part to have their devotions and to be accountable for that. Does that mean they're completely spiritual because they're writing in a book? And No, it doesn't mean that, but it means they're trying. And I know there's some parents that are supporting that and and uh, trying to make that a reality. And uh, so I pray that you continue to see and uh, encourage them in that. But we're looking at what it means, what we can glean from, I believe, Christ's nativity as we see it in the Scriptures. Uh, Luke chapter number 2, I want you to look there with me. We're looking, starting in verse number 8. And if you're capable and desirous, if you'd stand, we're going to add the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter number 2, starting in verse number 8. The Bible says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And lo, an angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for I behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, Lying in a manger, and suddenly there were, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angel were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now 
Go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. All they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying, praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Father, we thank You that, Lord, it is a glorious thing to recognize and appreciate, Father, Your coming to this earth. Father, we're so undeserving of, uh, of that truth. We're so undeserving of, Father, that You sent Your only begotten Son and allowed Him to be in the same environment that we are in and to live and walk among us. And, Father, to continue to manifest Himself in our lives. I pray that You bless our time this morning. Father, we take the simple story and humbling story that Father we hear and make some applications today. In Jesus' name, Amen. You can have a seat. <clears throat> Just recently I preached on, on uh, this part of this passage and uh, talking about the goodwill toward men. And that aspect of that goodwill is uh, something that I think is uh, should be and, and desires to be in each one of us that we do have a good will toward one another, not just uh, among ourselves, but toward all people, as it says here. Um, that caring spirit. And I, I gleaned a, a something else I thought was important, done a little study on this, was one of the fact that the Lord imparted this knowledge to first people to get to, get to know this, Besides Mary and Joseph and and uh, Mary's cousin was the fact that he gave this first information to the shepherds. They say, <clears throat> why was that important? Because if you'll know that the shepherds throughout the scriptures has been um, a title that really is a when it's done right, it's uh, it's a very endearing title. It's one that is even given to our Lord. When uh, in John chapter 10, when he's called the Good Shepherd, and uh, I gave the illustration this morning when I was down in Sunday school of when I was a, a kid, I had, we had lived out about nine miles out of uh, actually the town that we were in this week, um, town of about four thousand. But we lived in the country, and one of the things that I don't know that still happens today, but people back then used to take an unwanted animal instead of uh, taking it to a shelter or putting it to sleep or whatever. They just take it out in the country a few miles and, and drop it off. We were the few miles away, so we got, we'd get stray dogs on a, on a, on occasion. And generally, the way farmers dealt with stray dogs was not taking them to a shelter, um, but they would just put them to sleep in their own manner. And, uh, but dad didn't, wasn't that way. Mom, they, uh, they would try if one came around, one one that came around was a, a collie. Uh, if you know anything about collies, uh, collies are bred to be shepherd dogs, and uh, and we were there was I think seven of us kids that I'm not sure 
how many were at that time. But uh, one, any one time, there were, one time there were seven of us kids. Of course, a dog was a dog, and to a kid that was a wonderful thing. It was like having Christmas to have another dog, and um, so. But this dog was interesting. When you go outside, and and uh, and uh, we kids couldn't figure him out. We were a little scared of him at first because of the way he acted, and uh, he would uh, he would try to shepherd us kids. All right, he would he would continually going around and around in a circle. We'd be out in the yard. He'd, he'd be trying to trying to get us all together. You know, he'd be going around and around trying to get us all into the. Uh, he was trying to herd us seven kids or how many of us ever there were that went outside. And uh, you know, when the idea of a shepherd is a very important part. And I think uh, in my mind, as I read this, of all the individuals that the Lord could have given this information to, He gave it to shepherds. And the Scripture is filled with uh, uh, shepherds. And why why is it that that He gave it to the shepherds? I'm not 100% sure. But we do know this, is that they were individuals that had care over sheep. And that care is something that... Um, we don't think of as uh, all that important. Probably wasn't thought of as that important in those days. But the fact that those individuals never really had a restful moment, that even when they were supposed to, when everybody else was supposed to be sleeping, they had the responsibility of guarding the flock at night. And so it's kind of like sleeping with one eye open. Even though there was supposed to be some time for rest, it really wasn't any rest. And not only that, but you were caring for some creatures that by nature are not very smart. Um, we weren't, uh, when I was raised on the farm, we didn't really raise sheep, but I was familiar, our neighbor had sheep. And uh, sheep are, are, are good followers in a sense. They, uh, uh, to the degree that they'll, they'll follow another sheep to, to the slaughter, if I can put it that way. We, I can remember our neighbor having sheep and we couldn't get them loaded into the sheep and uh, you try to get shoe them up the chute to get them into the truck or uh, to get them and you couldn't get them to move. They'd all pile up in a corner and I can remember my neighbor, Paul Shoemate, he'd, he'd grab them sheep by the wool. I thought he was a savage the way he did it, but he'd grab one by the wool and I, I guess it didn't hurt him. But I didn't think it'd be very comfortable, but he'd grab one and, and he'd just haul it up, walk it up the ramp and pitch it into the truck, and all the rest of the sheep follow up with it. <laughs> They're not too smart. And so these shepherds have the responsibility of caring for really a very defenseless animal in many ways. And so I think when he gave this information to the shepherds, I think it was by no accident, but by design. That these individuals were dedicated to the responsibility that they had so I want to go over some of the characteristics that I think are important. As I told the kids this morning, I says I think there is the shepherding instinct in all of us. I think that every one of us, I gave the illustration as you see, especially young girls, you'll see a, a, a young girl when you buy them these dolls. And immediately they're, they're wanting to take care of these dolls and they got to have all the Dolly equipment, and they uh, they they treat them just like they were babies. They become very involved with that. I think that's because they have a 
shepherding instinct. I think the same thing is true with even boys. At least it was with my boys. Uh, I uh, and I've seen it with my grandsons as I go out and see Andy. Is that if I'm doing something, they are in the middle of what I'm doing, all over what I'm doing. I remember I was trying to put on a trailer hitch with uh, when I was out there one time on uh, my son's suburban. He asked me, "I have anything I could do?" I said, "Well," he said, "Dad, maybe you can do that." And so I told the boys, I said, I think we're going to put on a hitch today. And so I was just underneath the truck. I was just going to see what I was going to bolt. And I had all of them. They were all underneath the truck. And they were all looking up. I don't know what they were looking at. We were all doing it together. And I had all, and there was probably 25 or 30 bolts that had to go. And they were in there. And they were fishing through, dragging the bolts out. I didn't think I'd ever get it together. But, but it's just in their instinct to be a part of what it means to be an adult. When we think about a caring spirit, I think that's what I believe, that when you become born again, the Bible says you're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And I think when you become a child of God, when all of a sudden you begin to have a new nature, and you have a new mind, then those instincts that God gives you, that you came with, all of a sudden become prominent in your life. All of a sudden you become saying, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I've been designed to do. We see that if God gave that information in these verses that we read, 8 through 20, the Bible says that these shepherds, I think, appreciated the Good Shepherd and what He had done for them in sending His only begotten Son. And when we take time in God's Word and we take time as we've been making this emphasis on prayer, and I do pray that you guys have taken some seriousness when I talked about this idea of prayer, is that there's going to be some results. And one of those results is yet that you're going to see this shepherding instinct that that is inside of us that we've been made by our Creator to be. For does not the Bible say that we're to love our neighbor as ourselves? Isn't that our first? He says if we're to love the greatest is to love the Lord thy God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength. He said the second commandment is likened unto that. That when you really do love God and you want to serve God with all of your heart, mind, and soul, and strength, you'll love your neighbor, what? As yourself. There's going to be this shepherding instinct. You know, I was with <clears throat> down there in um, the passing, of course, of my mother-in-law. And I could see it with even lost people. People that never made a profession of faith that came from everywhere. That knew Gene or Dugan or their family or their children. And they came wanting to support and be an encouragement. That's with lost people. Now I'm saying to you as your pastor, how much more should it be with us that know the Lord? How much more that we, everybody seems to know that it's right, but how much more should we have that instinct within us to want to be 
an encouragement and a blessing to others. It ought to be more than ourselves. I want to give you some of the things that I think we see in this good shepherd. I think we're going to see faithfulness and compassion. We're going to see somebody that's personal and somebody that's determined. Well, the first one we're going to look at, we're going to look at the idea of David. If you take your Bibles and turn back with me to 1 Samuel, we're going to see this played out as a David as the, the sweet psalmist of Israel, but his beginning was as a shepherd. And how God took that shepherding instinct and says, I'm going to take you from watching sheep. Being the caretaker of Israel. But it started off with a shepherding spirit. First Samuel chapter number 17. If you look down with me in verse number 34. The Bible says, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took the lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And the Bible says that that wasn't good enough. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. And notice the illustration that he gives Saul. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go. I like that. I really like that. He took what he learned, that instinct to shepherd And not just the instinct to shepherd, but the kind of instinct that God gives you when you're born again. I can remember thinking, well, I said the shepherding instinct is in all of us. I can remember, and I've said this story, but I'm going to say it again. I can remember when I was concerned about my kids. And I knew that I wasn't making it as a father. I knew I was in trouble. And I remember crying out to God, Oh God, you've got to help me. I'm in trouble. God, you've got to give me the grace to be the father that I need to be. And I can remember weeping and asking God, Please change what needs to be changed. and Make things right that need to be made right. See, God puts the shepherding instinct in every mom and dad. He gives you a grace that says, I'm not, I'm not going to let my children go to the devil. I'm not going to let them go the way of the world. I'm not going to allow that to happen. God, you've got to show me how to do that. I can remember asking God to do that. The shepherding instinct 
was with David, and I think God appreciated that. Remember, we had David's older brothers that were after the honor and the glory, and but David stayed with the sheep. When they went to find that sweet psalmist of Israel and God sent Samuel after him, uh, Jesse paraded all of his sons in front of Samuel and he says, it's none of these. You have one yet? He says, yeah, i got one out there watching the sheep. He says, well, I'm going to wait here until he comes. God wants that shepherding instinct. When you think of having a caring spirit and you think about God changing you because of your time with Him and abiding with Him, God's going to give you that caring spirit. Turn with me to Luke chapter number 19. If you're familiar with this, we know this is Zacchaeus. Say, how is it that God cultivates this spirit. I see you here in Zacchaeus' life. It began at the new birth. <laughs> nineteen chapter number chapter nineteen verse number five. The Bible says when Jesus came to the place, He looked up and He saw Him and He said unto Him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today I must abide at Thy house. See, the thing with Jesus is it wasn't just good enough that He have a little encounter with the Lord. He says, I want to go and be at Your house. And then he says, <clears throat> and he made haste and he came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he had gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, by the way, this is at his house. Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore unto him fourfold. Notice what the Lord says to Zacchaeus. This day. This day is salvation come to this house for as much as he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Notice the very first thing you see about Zacchaeus. He says, I'm going to half of what I've got, I'm going to give to the poor. And if I've somehow wronged somebody and, and marred uh, the testimony of who I really should be, I said, I'm going to not only give back what I took, I'm going to give back fourfold. You say, what do you got? You've got a caring spirit. You say, who gave him that care and spirit? You look at that he said, I need to abide at thy house. And when we think about our devotion, we think about that time in prayer. Don't think of it as empty time. Don't think of it as time that's not important. Don't think of it as... But listen, when you abide with him, as it says 
in John 14 and 15 and 16, when you abide with Him, He will abide with you. God wants to give you a caring spirit, others-mindedness, but it takes time. Matthew 18, if we give you another example. Matthew 18, verse number 4. I'm sorry, verse number 12. Verse 11, it says, For the Son of Man is come to save that which is lost. How think ye? If a man have a hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine, and goeth into the mountains, and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so be that he find it, and verily I say unto you, he will rejoice more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray? Even so it is it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. It's personal. A caring shepherding spirit is very personal. It's interesting to think that my mother-in-law had many individuals that she impacted. One of those individuals that I thought was just casually known by her, and come find out they traveled all the way from Ohio to make that visitation for a couple hours, just to try to be an encouragement to Dugan and to Jean and to Mark and to Brett. Just to try to be an encouragement. Now, what are you saying, Pastor? Listen, those individuals are lost. As far as I know, they didn't know the Lord. How much more should it be with us? Everything that you do, my friend, impacts somebody else. Every word that you say, every action that you take, impacts somebody else. Sorry to say that I think a lot of our words and a lot of our actions have no regard for someone else. We don't really care how it impacts somebody else. This is my life. And I will do as I please. Is it your life? If you're a child of God, is it really your life? Does not the Scripture say you are bought with a price? You are purchased with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus? Yes, we are tempted to do self-serving things. But see, God puts within you to say, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to ask, first question I'm going to ask myself, how will it impact those around me? 
Will it benefit? Will it be a blessing? Will it be an encouragement? Will they be edified? Or will it somehow have a negative impact upon them? May I say this? Many times we make decisions and we don't even for the moment ask ourselves that question. So we see it's personal. He left the 90 and 9. He says, I've got to go get this one that's lost. What do we see else? Not only will we see it as David is surrendered and fearless as we see him in, in chapter 17, but we see David is loyal. Turn back with me in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. How was he loyal? One of the things that I am constantly thinking about is what happens if I leave this church? When I say leave, I mean I die. I pass on. And I'm always thinking, well, Lord, now, it isn't your will that this shepherd, this sheep, be leaving this sheep unattended. And I'm thinking always in my mind, how, Lord, is it going to be that you're going to have someone? And I know the Lord will take care of His people as long as they're doing the right thing. But at the same time, He doesn't want us to be stupid or foolish. So as a shepherd of this flock, I'm saying, Lord, how is it is that if I pass, am I preparing for that? And I'm not going to be here. Is there going to be somebody that's going to take care of your people and your sheep? One of the things that I always fear is if you have someone come in and, and you go down to Bible college or you go get somebody that says, is having someone that actually does care about you really does care about you. When they come into this church, they don't just come in and say, well, uh, I'll be your pastor and I'll preach some messages and, uh, and uh, I'll take your salary. And, and then all of a sudden, the, gr- the grass looks a little greener someplace else. My philosophy sometimes is this. I might be wrong. You may, you may criticize me. I believe when you become pastor of the church, you're there for life. I really do. And I'm saying, how many are you going to find? You know, the average, that isn't the average anymore. Two or three, five, ten years, people go on. I believe God's going to raise somebody up from this church here. I really believe that. You say, why? Why would you say that, Pastor? You don't want somebody that's educated coming in from a cemetery and, 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 and being their pastor? I said, the one first thing I'm looking for is someone that's going to be loyal. They're never going to leave you. They're never going to forsake you. They're going to see that if God's called them here. And listen, God's callings don't change. A shepherd is loyal. Well, that's pertaining to me. But is it not also pertaining to you? How many think that pertains to everyone in this building? Being loyal. Being loyal to the Lord Jesus Christ. Saying, these are the, this is my family. These are people that God has 
put me in the midst of, I'm going to be loyal. That's part of God's work and God's will. Look in Samuel chapter number 17. We'll see this in verse number 15. Samuel 17 and verse number 15. But David went and returned from Saul to do what? To feed his father's sheep in Bethlehem. You know what David had been doing up to this point? Huh? Anybody know what he'd been doing? Yeah, he, he says, I was a shepherd boy, but he'd been up, he'd been to see the king, he'd been out there, but what does his loyalty tell him to do? Make sure the sheep are taken care of. You look in verse 15, and David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistines drew near in the morning and the evening and presented himself forty days. And Jesse, the son of David, his son, take now thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the, to the camp to the brethren and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their, the thousands and look and how thy brethren fare and take their pledge. Now Saul and they that all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines and David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a what? And so well, I got more important things to do than these dumb sheep. No. What was David's characteristic of David? David was loyal. You spend time with the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word and prayer and I promise you you're going to be loyal. You're going to be loyal to your husband. You're going to be loyal to your wife. You're going to be loyal to your kids. You're going to be loyal to your, your uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord. But most of all, you're just going to be loyal to the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's called you to do. There's people that, 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 that they, 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 they're not, that they haven't got a vision for their children. They have no vision for their marriage. They have no vision for their church. They have no vision for the lost. You say, what's wrong with them? They're prayerless. Because I guarantee you spend time with the shepherd of the sheep, the good shepherd of Israel, and you're going to be just like him. And you say, well, you know, these, uh, you won't think of your brothers and sisters in the Lord as just some insignificant individual. You're going to say, these are God's people that God has put in my life. And I'm responsible for them. David could see that with these four-legged woolly lambs. But he also could see it with God's people. And when the Philistine was defying the armies of God, and he said he couldn't take it, could he? And his brothers discredited him, saying, you just come down there to see the battle. You're just all puffed up inside. And he said to them, 
Is there not a cause? You say, what is God calling us to do, Pastor? God is nurturing you in that word and prayer to become just a simple little shepherd. I'm going to shepherd the people that God has put in my life. And I'm going to be surrendered that responsibility. And I'm going to be others toward them. And I'm going to be personal with them. And I'm going to be loyal with them. And we're going to have the ability and blessing to do the right thing. Turn with me to Samuel 17. Look in verse number 26. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth the Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? By the way, when you see his answer, the people answered him after this manner, so shall it be done unto the man that killeth him. There was a promise made by Saul that anybody that took on the responsibility and the challenge, he would be rewarded. You know, the faith that it takes to say, these two little sheep don't seem too significant to anybody else. And the world doesn't see it as important. And maybe nobody around you sees it important. But let me tell you this, God sees it as important. And the faith that it takes to do the right thing consistently and faithfully. In verse 20, the Bible says here, God said He would enrich those. Just as much as Saul said, whoever kills this Philistine, I'll take care of. Let me just say this. When you recognize and appreciate and take on the responsibility to be that shepherd that you're supposed to be, God will enrich you. See, a lot of times people got their eyes set on the wrong things. They got their eyes set on what the world thinks is important, what the world thinks is valuable, but when you set your eyes on those things that the world thinks is insignificant, I mean, I get excited as your pastor. I really do. I told the kids this morning, I, I see the glories of a large family in this. I'm not advocating everybody go out and have a half a dozen kids. But I'm saying this. One of the things I see with a large family is those older kids take on the responsibility to take care of the younger ones. And they learn how to shepherd at an early age. And it's so if you got a whole passel of young'uns in your house and you think you're pulling your hair out, listen, just teach the older ones to shepherd the younger ones. Because they're going to be doing that all their life. So we have loyalty. We have somebody that's personal. We have somebody that's others-minded. We have somebody that's surrendered and really fearless. 
But we see somebody that's determined. Look in verse number 30, if you would. His brothers were criticizing him and doubting his motives in verse 28. In verse 29, David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Did that stop him? Got a little negative criticism about what he was doing and his, and his hope. Notice what David does. And he turned from him toward another. And he spake after the same manner, and the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul and sent for him. You remember that on prayer about the unjust judge? How many remember that? Remember what got the unjust judge's attention? Why did he respond and say, you know what, I, I better just take care of this and do this? Why? He's going to come back. David says, this is God's mind. This is God's heart. This is what God wants. See, when you see that, when you understand that, you're going to understand that, listen, that's faith. Faith's going to take you to be determined to say, I'm not going to let my children go to the devil. I'm not going to let my church go to the devil. I'm not going to let my, my marriage go to the devil. I'm not going to let those around me that don't know Christ as their Savior go to the devil. You're going to be determined. David said here, they were rehearsed. You say, why were they rehearsed? Because David wouldn't shut up. A good shepherd doesn't quit. You say, well, pastor, I've been praying and I've been praying for this person and that person and I've been praying for my relatives. But listen, a good shepherd never won. He never quits. And pretty soon, God says, you know what? I just might as well work with Lewis. I might as well work with Glenn. I might as well work with Paula. Because I know this, they're not going to quit. There's something that says about the Lord, a good shepherd that just does not quit. Matthew chapter 9, if you will. We're about done. Matthew chapter number 9. Verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, what's the Bible say? He was moved with compassion. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad 
A sheep having what? No shepherd. See, when we look around, we just sometimes we lose heart. And we just say, well, that's just the way it is. Is it really the way it is? He had been doing all this visiting the cities and villages and teaching in their synagogue and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and say, well, I've done my part. Is that what he said? I, that's, that's somebody else's responsibility. I, I've taken care of my responsibility. No. He went up and he says, you know what? He was moved with compassion. Now let me close by saying this. You spend time with the Lord Jesus and He's going to put something in your soul. It's called a shepherding spirit. And that shepherding spirit is going to be one that I think is surrendered. These are my people. This is my family. These are my, these are my children. This is my husband. This is my wife. This is my community. And He's going to put it within you a surrendered spirit toward those individuals. He's going to put in you another's mindedness. Just like Zacchaeus. Half I got is going to go to the poor. If I've done somebody wrong, I'm going to get four back fourfold. It's going to be personal. God's going to put your sights on somebody that you need to minister to. And it might be one of those... One of the 99, you say, I'm going to go after that sheep. It's going to be loyal. You're never going to forget who God has put you in. It's going to be filled with faith, saying God's going to bless me for that. It's going to be determined. It's going to be compassion. Let me close with saying this. We're all shepherds. We all have been given us, I believe, a concentric circle of influence that we're supposed to be ministering to. And we're supposed to be shepherding. But let me finish this by saying this. That God is calling more than just this shepherd to shepherd. Listen to me, men. I have this deep conviction in my heart God is raising somebody up from this church to shepherd. And if you know anything, that the word pastor is used one time in the New Testament. Anybody know that? One time. The rest of the time it's used the word elders. And they're synonymous. I wouldn't be surprised God would raise up several what we call pastors or elders. You say, why? Because God puts within your heart to be a shepherd. To what degree, I don't know. But He puts it in your heart. So you say, well, I'd never do that. I could never do that. No, don't say that. 
Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank You. You'll stand. We thank You for Your grace. And Father, we thank You that You're the Good Shepherd. And Father, not only are You the Good Shepherd, but Father, as You live and move and have Your being in us, You make us good shepherds.